You're listening to Leveling Up, where we'll show you how to win at the game of life and business. It's time to power up your skills through life gamification with your host, Eric Sue. All right, everyone. Today, we've got Andy Fowler, the co-founder and CEO of Nutshell, which is the user-friendly sales automation CRM that helps sales reps win more deals with fast onboarding, powerful reporting, and 100% free support. So this one's going to be an interesting conversation because it's, uh, you know, CRMs are not exactly the easiest thing in the world. So first and foremost, Andy, welcome to the show. How's it going? It's going great, Eric. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So let's talk about it. I mean, talk about your story. How does it led up to to Nutshell? Because it's it seems like you were the technical, you're the CTO before, and then now you've transitioned in. So uh, let's talk about the story, how it led up to Nutshell and how you made that transition. Yeah, definitely. So you're totally right. Definitely kind of got my start here in that technical co-founder role. So I met my co-founders back when I was in high school, back in like, I don't know, 2003 or something. We were all working at a local dial-up internet company together, kind of learning how the web worked. We were all nerds at heart. We all got to know each other. I went off to college, did the college thing. They went off and started a uh, business. They were successful in that. They built a data backup appliance, actually. Their company was acquired by Barracuda Networks. That took them to Ann Arbor. And as they came to Ann Arbor, they picked up the phone. Uh, My colleague, Guy, picked up the phone, gave me a call and said, hey, we're coming to Ann Arbor. We want to start a company. And we were kind of off to the races from there. Got it. That's wonderful. So nutshell, I mean, okay, so how did this company start? Why did you guys, why did you guys decide to go into a, a really tough space? Yeah, well, you know, I'll give you the, the slightly long version of that. The the company guy first sort of pitched me on when uh, he convinced me to move to Ann Arbor in the middle of February, by the way. So was we were kind of going to build a, a WhatsApp type product. So this was uh, 2009. Smartphones didn't have critical mass yet. It was like iPhone 3G had just come out, but like feature phones were still the main thing. But we built a little sort of group messaging app. And that's what kind of got me excited to move to Ann Arbor and start a business with them. A couple months in, we realized that to be successful doing that, We'd have to raise millions of dollars to spend on short code fees and all of that stuff to actually win in that space. So it was fun to sort of play around with this idea of a direct-to-consumer product like that, but we didn't quite have the appetite. So that was sort of the first idea in 2009. So you know, the way we came to Nutshell was my colleague Guy had started this company, Bitleap. And like I said, they were a data backup company. They were selling this actual box you know, that a, a school district or a business or someone has to go and plug into a, a data center or a closet and get set up and put online. And they had, you know, that, that's a tricky sales process. You've got to like ship out this demo unit, do all of that stuff, track where this thing is. And so they went through the gamut of CRM products. You know, they did they did Salesforce, they did Infusionsoft, they did Sugar, and none of those worked for them. Ended up scratching their own itch by like sort of writing an internal CRM product themselves. You know, any good entrepreneur that kind of like plants the idea of like, we got to go fix this thing. And so when we realized that Cahoots, which was our group messaging app, wasn't going to be a, a thing, guy guy told me about the, the story they had with CRM. And that's when we got to work on that. Myself, I had been sort of running a little web agency in Kentucky, had some experience with, uh, you know, high rise and sugar. And I knew these, these tools were lousy, but hearing it sort of firsthand from Guy was what got me fired up and sort of was the, the, the vision behind the product. I love that. Okay. So let's talk about Nutshell a little bit. So how is it different than the other CRMs out there? Do you guys specialize in a certain niche? How does it, how does it all work? Yeah. So, I mean, I think the the biggest thing that we'd start with is sort of what, what uh, Ben probably put in that blurb that you read at the beginning there. We are really focused on being easy to use, easy to get started. The thing about CRMs is reps don't enjoy using them. Sort of the, the manager is trying to make a team log the data in there and it eventually sort of falls away. Teams lose discipline and, and the whole 
point of it is is lost. And so our idea for that was, you know, CRM shouldn't just uh, sort of be this tool that's sort of a taskmaster. It should actually help you close business. And being easy to use is the uh, is sort of the starting point to that. Got it. Okay. So how how are you guys easy to use? Because I've used a ton. I think we've had a lot of CRM people on, on this podcast. I, I like to know the key differentiating points. And also, you know, I, I'm a cheap person. So, you know, pricing and all that too, how you guys make money. Yeah, totally. So yeah, I, I think probably all of all of our competitors have have wised up. Even Salesforce has wised up and you know, it took them, they were a little late to the game, but what was it a couple of years ago they rolled out lightning and they made a big push forward to try to fix the user experience of all of this. So so that's that's definitely at the heart of it. The other piece of, of where we stand out there is actually providing sales automation. So like I said, my colleagues had this problem where they have these demo units, they had to like ship them out to school districts. They had this repeatable list of stuff that you have to do to close a sale. And so that's our vision is that to close a sale, you've got to work through a repeatable sales process. Every business has a sales process. It's just often not written down. It's kind of like in the head of the founder, the owner, and getting that sort of written down, built into a product where it can actually sort of educate the sales team on, here's what you need to do next. Here's what we're trying to do in this stage of the sales process. Your goal for today is, you know, you're just trying to close a deal. You're just trying to get someone on the phone. You're trying to determine the budget. And building that sales automation into the product is a, is a big part of that. Got it. So I'm looking at your, your site right now. So it sounds like the key differentiator. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in here. I'm seeing pipeline management reporting, but automate your sales process is the first one. So talks about specifying the actions and follow-ups that need to happen from initial qualification through final negotiations, put your email outreach on autopilot and accurately measure the impact of your efforts. So it sounds like when a new user is onboarding, you know, as long as they know what the process looks like, they, they kind of have to do some initial setup. And then uh, from there on, you know, it should be a lot more automated and a lot more quote unquote streamlined. Yeah, exactly. And the way that we sort of designed the sales automation engine of Nutshell was we'd been hearing from uh, quite a few different sort of heads of sales and, and they'd sort of show us these like, it's like a PowerPoint slide or it's like some little drawing sometimes that like every sales rep had like pinned on their cubicle, but it was like their way of showing here's our sales process. Here's the stage that a leads go, lead goes through. Here's what we do. Here's when we call them. Here's when we follow up. We wait seven days. Here's what we need at this stage. We can call it qualified when we know this. Those were sort of the things that we heard from from sales leaders. And so we took all of that and, and we baked it into a product where you can actually visualize that sales process. You can define each stage, say what your team should be doing, say the goal of that stage. And, and that's what that looks like. Got it. Cool. Whatever you're comfortable sharing. I mean, we know you make money through through SaaS. I mean, what does general pricing look like? And then um, how's the business doing today? Whatever numbers you're comfortable sharing, growth rates, employees, revenues. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, glad to, to be transparent on all of that. You know, I was, uh, actually heard your, your podcast the other day with Nathan Barry, you know, our, our competitors in part over at ConvertKit and we love hearing from them and, you know, they're very, very transparent crew and we don't have our, our bare metrics out to the world, but happy to, to share any of that stuff. The business is going well and, uh, you know, we're particularly excited at this point in time because we're going from, from one product to two products. So we've got uh, the CRM product, which we've been building for 10 years. You know, we've just talked about sales automation and all of that, but really this last year has been spent developing Nutshell Marketing, which is a, a new set of capabilities to 
to unite sales teams and marketing teams. What, what we've kind of just been realizing is sales teams are acting more and more like marketing teams. They're more technologically proficient. They're doing all of these things in mass to prospect and nurture their leads that sort of make them act more and more like marketers. And so this last week, we, we rolled out Nutshell Marketing. And so we're eager to see where that brings us. So yeah, today, Nutshell has somewhere uh, closing in on 4,000 customers. We're, we're doing about, uh, we just ticked over 5 million of ARR two weeks ago. Big moment for us. Obviously, we can't get the whole team together and, and pop champagne on that one yet. So waiting for the uh, ground to thaw so we can head outside and do some of that. And uh, yeah, you know, it's a team of, of 20-something people here in Ann Arbor. Unlike ConvertKit and some of our other competitors, we're, we're all here. We have kind of the center of gravity in Ann Arbor. It's been an interesting challenge this last year, kind of going going remote, but uh, it's it's been a lot of fun. Got it. And so, I mean, obviously Ann Arbor, you have Michigan there. So do you guys have a nice recruiting pipeline? I guess I'm always curious, right? You're in a college town right now. Do you take advantage of that in any sense? You know, believe it or not, it's not as big of an impact on the company as you'd expect. We found some great engineers from neighboring universities. Our, our VP of product development uh, actually graduated from Calumet College, which is like an hour west of here. We've, we've pulled some great folks out of Eastern Michigan as well. But, you know, a college town has a lot of other great things. It's a thriving downtown. It's a, uh, a fun place. I'm here in our offices. We are we work out of a co-working facility called Cahoots. A lot of, you know, great places to eat and drink and hang out. And so we enjoy sort of the culture of a college town, but we bring our team from sort of uh, all places. Got it. I'm thinking about, I mean, that's great. And how do you guys, going back to what I said earlier, I think people should understand too, because when people think, oh my God, I'm, I'm creating this product and someone might say, oh, that's too crowded. An investor might say it's too crowded. Their friends might say that, right? So how do you compete in a crowded space? Yeah, it's a long game. If the way that sort of we've thought about this and you know, people people told us CRM was crowded on 10 years ago when we launched the company and when we've met with investors and, and others along the way, you know, that's usually the first thing someone says is like, wow, that's a, a crowded space. A lot of that has been in being really, really diligent and getting good at refinement and listening to our customers. So I think if anything, like Nutshell has a superpower in that we can take feedback from a customer, respond to it, build it into the product in, in a really quick way. So more than that, the other way that we stand out is offering great service. Being a team where we're all located together here in Ann Arbor, we've got a really great customer team. If you go to our Twitter feed, you'll find a, a mad props hashtag and you can just see what our customers have to say about us. And so where a lot of our competition is kind of doing the Silicon Valley thing, raising a ton of money, I think pipe drive and copper of each race north of $100 million, we're, we're kind of running away from that. I think that the Midwest routes that we've got here really help us to, to stand apart. And, and, you know, in some ways I was kind of hearing uh, Nathan saying the same things when he was talking to you. They've, they, they take advantage of their sort of fully distributed sort of rural routes that they've got. And that served us well as well. So how do you guys, I mean, you just mentioned earlier talking to customers. So are there any specific resources that you can point to? You're talking about customer development, jobs to be done, things like, I'm curious to know frameworks that the audience can kind of take and pull for later. Yeah. You know, I, I think one of the, the things that first worked really well for us was a couple of weeks after we launched, we hadn't hired a support team or anything yet. We had a, a team of four or five engineers. Phone starts to ring and we put phones on every engineer's desk and uh, had our developers picking up the phone, listening to customers. Obviously, that doesn't scale. We, we don't do that today, but that was kind of baked into our culture at the beginning. And, and so something that we did shortly after that, as we did start to hire a support team, was we added an all-hand support system. So we had a baton where every single person on our product team would spend a day manning the chats, manning Zendesk ticket queues, listening to customers, responding to that. 
I don't think there's any substitute. You can't bring in a, a product manager or someone who's sort of trying to synthesize all this customer feedback and, and present it back to a design team and an engineering team. There's no substitute for being able to hear that directly from a customer and say, you know, I heard this person with this problem yesterday. I'm going to take the time to fix that. Or next time I build this, I know, you know, I have the this empathy now from hearing those problems firsthand. That, that was something that was really helpful to us, especially in the early years. Got it. So what I'm hearing is basically getting the entire team involved with the support process, right? The ticketing process. That's kind of the gist of it, or am I missing something? Yeah, no, that's a big part of it. And uh, that's still something we do today. So uh, we have a sort of a, a designated support engineer who who every day is sitting with our, our head of customer experience, taking in that feedback and, and synthesizing it. Great. What are you guys doing to, again, going back to the crowded space, right? What are you guys doing to stand out with your marketing or customer acquisition? Like what's what's working for you today? Yeah. So we've been doing this for 10 years. So we've learned a lot of like what works and what doesn't work. The thing that's really working now is I would kind of call it, it's an overnight success, four years in the making. And and that's a content program. And I know that like kind of sounds trite and uh, everyone's doing it. HubSpot did it, but we have spent the last four years been on our content team, building up really helpful content. And it was last year at a certain point where sort of ticked over that we were bringing in more trials from our blog than we were from any sort of PPC framework. And then it turned out, you know, a couple months later, we were bringing in more trials from all of our PPC and sort of paid acquisition. And so, you know, it was kind of a thing where it was this like slow boil all along. And suddenly you realize this this program is really successful. We had tried that multiple times. We had tried like, okay, we're going to go out, we're going to hire an SEO company. We're going to have them write a bunch of blog posts and it's just going to work. And we've, we've got SEO right. And, and that, that didn't work. It was sort of taking this internal value of being helpful to the customer that built that content engine. So that's probably been one of the, the most exciting things this past year was, was that content program. Because of course, the best part of that is that's a free program. We're not spending, we don't need to spend tens of thousands of dollars a month with, month with Google. And, and we've been in that mode before where we've had six-figure ad spend budgets and just didn't see the same success as the content program does. So how big is your content team? Today, it is three people inside. Yep. And they work with a a small group of sort of ongoing recurring writers. We've had better luck with that, recruiting those than like having a a content house or or sort of that sort of thing. Okay. So maybe I'm just ballparking right now. Maybe your payroll for all-in content per month, was it 25, 30 grand? Sounds about right. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, that's, that's the pay, that's the pay, right? 300, 300 grand, let's just call it 300 grand a year. I yep. mean, it's, it's still more efficient than, than, than paid ads. And it sounds like what you're doing on top of that is you're retargeting a lot of that traffic or maybe making lookalikes. Is, is that kind of right? I don't know that we, you could say that we do that that effectively. I think that mm-hmm. what ultimately works for us is that we have these, this writing, whether it's uh, how to, how to write a, a great email outreach sequence, or what are the things that you need to know to create a great subject line. And that, that brings folks in and builds sort of brand equity. They join our list. I think we are more successful now when we sort of are doing less sophisticated things and trying to like spend all of our time in AdWords and picking exactly the right retargeting lists and taking people who visit this blog post and serve them this ad next. We just have found sort of that gets to sort of be diminishing returns. Got it. So, you know, what's interesting, I'm looking at your site again. So a lot of people, or I shouldn't say a lot. I mean, let's just use HubSpot as an example. So, you know, they have a freemium model and it, it took a lot of their, I mean, it's 99% of the company was not bought into that, right? So in tech now, everyone's talking about product-led growth, right? And so I guess I'm curious, what was the decision you guys made around kind of sticking with free trial versus freemium? Good question. 
I think with CRM, it's a, a real challenge to try to take on any sort of freemium model. I'm trying to actually think off the top of my head, which of our competitors actually have that sort of approach other than like HubSpot sort of give you know, HubSpot has what they call their free CRM. We don't see all that many people successful on it. It's kind of like a, a, a bare bones kind of database and you very quickly need to sort of pay for reporting, or pay for email outreach and that kind of stuff. I, I think in some ways we're fortunate in the CRM space. That's just like not as big of a concept as it might be, say, email marketing or you know social platforms, that kind of stuff. So that's worked pretty well for us because of that expectation. But we're entering this new space. We're entering the space of, of email marketing. And you know, that's a world where I, I think freemium is sort of very hotly discussed. And obviously Nathan over at ConvertKit just took that on. Our friends over at AWeber just took that on last year, building a, a freemium offering. So, you know, when you're in a space like that, I think it's a, a lot more important to figure out how to how to get that right. Got it. So you guys raised about 750 grand. Is that correct? More or less? No, we've, we've brought on closer to actually five or 6 million at this point. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So five, 6 million. I mean, it, it's not like, I mean, you know, what I'm hearing by the way, is you guys are taking a methodical approach to, to growth. It's not growing at all costs. Like, you know, like you mentioned, Silicon Valley and, you know, ConvertKit, I mean, they kind of just did it themselves, didn't take on like a, like a bunch of money. Right. And they grew up to where they are now. So what is the long-term vision for the company? Where do you see it going? Yeah. Well, it's been an interesting couple of years. I mean, the saga, all that distilled down real quick was first five years, we we, we really did just raise whatever that number was, 750,000. That, that sounds about right for probably our first, first five years. We were profitable by year three, very small team, not a big ad spend, but by year three, we were profitable growing, I don't know, maybe 30% year over year. We kind of looked up and said, hey, we're, we're putting money in the bank, but we think we can go faster, crowded space, a lot going on. And so that's when we sort of brought on a little bit more investment. We found sort of a, a local partner who has been terrific to work with. We started with an internal round. We brought them on and, and raised that four or five million dollars. And then we started to spend a lot more of that. But it was such a quick injection of capital, and we were so eager to run off to the races that sort of the the shock, I think, from going from a, a profitable mode of very lean team, very heavy on product hadn't really figured out sales, hadn't really figured out marketing to having all that cash in the bank and being eager to spend it and, and grow from it quickly was a challenge. And so a lesson learned from that was, I, I don't think you can go from zero to hundred in there like we did necessarily. And so uh, as we sort of worked through that, we realized we don't want to stay on this treadmill. We don't want to have to to do this again in, in two years, bring in more capital, capital, do the same thing. And so took our destiny into our own hands, built ourselves in a way such that we were profitable. We had the options to do what we wanted to do. That's a difficult process to go through. As far as where we're headed with that, when you have your destiny in your own hands, it's a pretty exciting time. We've we've been able to look inside the company, sort of turn inward in 2020, build this new product, take it to market. We, we've continued to, to grow just on the back of our current product. But with this new offering, we're, we're eager to see where that takes us. But to, to be able to do that without any sort of ticking timeline of burn rate is a, a really fortunate position to be in. Well, well, good for you. Congrats on the growth so far. And I, I want to know too, what, you know, Neil and I talk about the other podcast marketing school. So we talk about how long it takes for a business to work or how long it takes to grow an audience. And we take, we say it's typically two to three years and which is, it took you three years to get to, to profit. Right. So I guess what were your year three revenues? I want people to get a sense of, Hey, this is what it takes to get to profitability or even product market fit. 
Yeah, good question. I want to say at year three, we were probably just ticking over the the $1 million marker. Maybe not quite. Probably depends on whether you call year, you know, day one, the the day we sort of started writing code or the day that we launched. We kind of had like eight eight months of development from first line of code to uh, launching to the world, but somewhere around the million dollar mark at at year three. And got it. Actually, I mean, that's important, right? So let's touch upon this. So you had eight months of writing code. And then from that point on, you guys launched and then it took three years to get to 1 million, right? So really it was four years to get to 1 million ARR. That, that, that's right. And, you know, it's, it's wild to look back on that and sort of look at the product that we launched with, you know, we're a contact management product, right? We're, we're in CRM space. We launched without a list of contacts in nutshell. We were so convinced that, you know, okay, people are going to use a CRM and everyone loves Google. You're going to go and you're going to type in the name of the contact you're looking for. Who needs a list of contacts anymore? And, you know, of course that's foolish in hindsight, but it takes customers telling you that four or five times and sort of getting that feedback before you can take action on that. So that's what those early days are all about is, is hearing a customer say something time and again and building the muscle on being able to respond to that quickly. And that's what we were doing those first three years. Got it. Okay. And so three more questions from my side. I mean, how are you personally getting better as a CEO? Boy, that <laughs> that's a difficult question. I think I'm finally getting better at, at handing off the things that even though I know I'm good at them, I know that I have people who are, are better at them than I am. And it's sometimes easy to delegate the stuff that you're no good at, but it it's, can be more difficult to to hand off the things that you know how to do well, because it's, it's fun to use a muscle that that you've got. And that, that's been a, a long lesson over, over 10 years. I think I'm finally getting to that place. I love that. All right. Favorite business book? Oh boy. Well, I just cracked the spine on, on an interesting book called uh, Leveling Up Here. And, uh, <laughs> I appreciate uh, that. It's a page turner. No, I, I bought it on, on Kindle. Looking forward to reading it. Did you play you know, games that, though growing up? I had a, what was it? Crazy Taxi. That was my, uh, okay. that was my kind of game. I don't know. Does that translate to uh, the game of life? I think if, if you at least played Tetris, then it'll, it'll probably resonate. I think if you haven't played any games at all, it probably won't resonate as much. So <laughs> I played a lot of Tetris. Cool. All right. So favorite business book besides mine, I appreciate the plug, but what's the first one that comes to mind? For some reason, this is what comes to mind. I, I like the, uh, the war of art. Have you ever read that book? Yeah, it's a good book. Yeah. It like, and I don't know, kind of borders on a little bit of a overly self-help at times, but the, the way that he talks about the resistance and the sort of the distraction and the pressure that I think we all feel when you're like staring at a glass rectangle and, and you're trying to, to do the job and, and everything's pushing against you. Uh, that's when I come back to uh, time and again. Got it. And just to be clear, there's the war of art and there's also the art of war, which is what, what everyone knows. So they're, they're different books. So just encourage you guys to read both of them. How about your favorite business tool? Obviously we know about Nutshell, but what, what else is, is kind of in your stack? What's your favorite? I guess two things come to mind. I'm still a big fan of spreadsheets. I know a lot of people like think of sort of CRM versus the spreadsheet. We have a lot of people come to Nutshell that are getting off of spreadsheets. I still think they're a great tool for the job. And a lot of our business still runs on spreadsheets. So Google Sheets is high on my list. I know that's a little... Over overused probably. I'm looking at my menu bar here. I, I love this uh, Mac app called Hammerspoon. Have you ever heard of Hammerspoon? No, what's that? Oh man, Hammerspoon. It's like, if you don't mind doing a little bit of programming, it's a great, great little tool. Like I've got my function keys mapped to all of my different apps. I can hop over to Zoom by hitting F6 and jump over to uh, uh, Superhuman with F9. So I love that. You, yeah. Yeah, I, I use cheat sheet because I don't know how to program. So there's cheat sheet just pulls up the shortcuts everywhere. So that that's my way of doing Jedi mind tricks. But I, I forgot to ask one final thing before we close it out. I mean, for Nutshell, obviously CRM can be very broad. So who is the best fit for using Nutshell? Do you have any industry that you target specifically? 
the the best way to kind of describe the companies that are using Nutshell is when it is a sales team that has an ongoing sales process that that often takes many months to close. Like for a lot of people, I would say you don't need a CRM if you are just doing e-commerce, right? You might use a tool like ConvertKit. You might use a tool like Mailchimp. You've you've got an audience out there, but you're not building a months long relationship. You're not you don't have individuals on your team who are you know exchanging emails and phone calls with with those folks. So, but for us, it's uh, it's businesses where they are B two B. They've got a team of five, 20, 30 people that are are selling a product, whether they're a produce distributor, whether they are building industrial products, it is a business usually sort of making things that they are, are, are delivering to other customers uh, or awesome. other businesses. Perfect. So Andy, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find out more about you and also about Nutshell? For me, it's probably Twitter. I'm, I'm Andy Fowler on Twitter and I probably talk about Nutshell a good bit there. So you'll find it that way, nutshell.com too. All right, Andy, thanks so much for doing this. Eric, this is great. Best of luck to you. Thanks for taking the time. You may have completed this level, but many more bosses await. If you're looking to level up in marketing or business, just go to singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up to get access to our individual and team training programs. That's singlegrain.com forward slash leveling dash up.